previously on Two Star, Two Trek. There is another perspective on this entire thing, which is Dr. Phlox, the Denobulan. There's another alien here. He's a Denobulan. He's coming here to fix all your shit because he's awesome. I have a term to describe (laughs) every Phlox scene. Phloxum. Because every Phlox scene is awesome. (laughs) That's amazing. He's so good. Greetings, friends and fellow Trekkies. Tonight, we're going where the roads will take us. Did I screw that up? I screwed that up. I don't know. You're going where my heart will take me. Oh, yes, because I mean, we've got go, faith. You can go places on the roads with your heart, I guess. Yes, yes. We all have faith of the heart. That's what we're trying to get at. Faith here. of the heart. Uh, <laughs> we are covering Enterprise. This is our third two-parter for enterprise but it is the start of the final season of enterprise a lot of it is compressed tonight we are discussing stormfront the uh the first two episodes of season four and a pretty wild uh departure from season three which we unfortunately skip over because there are no uh, two-parters because there's no two-parters it's extremely episodic i mean you can make the argument that that the whole thing is a two-parter but then we would Maybe that'll be a bonus episode is what we talk about season three of Enterprise. That would be kind of fun. But essentially, you know, they 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 finish up the the whole big bad war. They get the thing that's going to blow up Earth and they're like, yeah, neutralize the threat and surprise Nazis. Right. We're joined by two fabulous guests tonight as well. We have both Steph and Michael returning this time. We're uh punching nazis steph how are you doing tonight always punch nazis very excited uh always happy to see the crew of star trek punch some nazis is that not the best thing yeah. to see in in the 21st century yes i agree 100 percent. michael how are you doing tonight well you made me watch this episode of star trek and you dragged me out here to talk about it so <laughs> that's how i'm doing tonight oh great I take it you enjoyed it thoroughly. You loved this episode, Michael? I had a fantastic time. Not enough wine in the world could get me through this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is entirely accurate. It's impressive uh, that you say that after we covered Shockwave last week. Quite simply, Steph, and I know you're going to disagree with me on this, but Shockwave <laughs> is a better episode. It's better. Oh, I've s- <laughs> I have to disagree with that statement so hard. We have a cage matched for you guys. <laughs> yep. We're just going to let this one ride. So, Steph, why why do you think this episode's, like, great? I want to hear all of the pros, none of the cons. Let's do thing good first. Let's see yeah, if you can come up with we'll a single reason bad. why this episode is good that doesn't involve punching Nazis. Sure. Okay. Uh, it's the end of the time travel Cold War arc. That's the best thing right, in Star cool. Trek Enterprise. <laughs> <sighs> Nailed it. Yeah. I, I rest my case. <laughs> Uh, and for thing bad yeah and for thing bad michael every it's it ends the most interesting storyline in star trek enterprise which is the (laughs) Sephora gold war (laughs) oh fantastic this is great you guys are just like two peas in the pod i mean this episode (laughs) drags its feet doesn't accomplish anything imagine watching this week to week on tv and you end season three with 
the absolutely stellar bang. And then you come back to watch it and see where they landed. And this is what you get. And it doesn't even yeah, conclude there's a literal itself bang. here. There's an explosion that Bakula jumps away from and doesn't look back yeah. at because he's a cool guy. And then it doesn't right. even conclude. You get goofy gangsters who are like fighting them. I mean, that's kind of cool, I guess. Mobsters fighting <laughs> Nazis is pretty cool. But <laughs> right. it's like the Godfather uh, meshed with every World War II movie. Yeah, it's dumb. What? It's perfect. <laughs> it's uh I mean I do like I do like that the one Nazi goes the Americans are always reading the movies, but this is real life. And I'm like, how would you know about World War II movies from an alternate timeline? The aliens you know, the brought US them back. Selick or whoever his name is, he he brought them back movies to watch. And he was like, Look what happens oh, if fair. you don't listen to us. He like shows the Nazi a bunch of like this is how you win the movies yeah. where it's like just freaking Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor oh. <laughs> and like it's like this is how you win just kill Matt Damon <laughs> and then Private Ryan doesn't get saved and you win the war it's huzzah true. you know it's it's a it's a moral uh, and and morale victory really right it takes two episodes to resolve exactly nothing because everything that happens here is then undone uh, I have a counterpoint to to all this. You saying that Storm's Front is such a bad episode, but isn't it exactly the same plot as First Contact? Oh man, I was gonna get there. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I I agree, especially um, it's once... not not a similar plot, right? Especially like once Archer gets back on Enterprise and he brings like his Silic. friend with him, Alicia. And yeah. yeah. Travers, yeah. And she, you know, is is not Viola Davis, you know. But is that Viola? No, it's, it's not, not Viola it's not Davis. Viola Davis. It's Oh um, my gosh. You, oh, what's her name? Crap. I forget the actress's name. She was very very good in Luke Cage though. Um Luke It's going to come to me in like 15 minutes. Yeah, she was the villain in Luke Cage. Yeah. Um it's going to come to me in like 10 minutes and I'm going to hate yeah. myself for it. Alfred Woodard. Oh, yeah. Alfred Woodard. When you said Viola Davis, it like put like a, an eraser over all the other words <laughs> in my mind. And I was like, what? <laughs> Are you guys... But yes, no, it's it's very much a First Contact episode for sure. Yeah. Are you guys ready for the hottest of hot takes? Yes. First Contact is bad. <gasps> what? I That's mean... not a hot take. That's a wrong take. Uh, nope. No, I, I have to agree. Bad. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree oh, with Michael what? here. I'm not a fan of First Contact. Yeah, it's, it's not good. You guys are not them's, allowed to do any other episodes. It tricks no, you kidding. with its flashy Borg pictures, but it's actually just not that great. Yeah. I mean, Cochran's, it's kind of nice to see Cochran not be the hero they want him to be or they ex- yeah, expected right. him to be. But other than that, it's not great. So then, Steph, I, say, I put forth to you... <laughs> this is the same storyline basically as first contact yeah um but in comparison i'd say to the rest of enterprises two-parters and time travel episodes i'd say it pulls ahead it's definitely one of my favorites of time travel in the enterprise world oh sure right yeah absolutely yeah. we get to yeah. punch nazis here the yeah. problem is that time travel episodes always suck Yes, I would hard agree, which is great that you and me are on this episode discussing time travel episodes time travel. every week. <laughs> right. I'm starting to question uh, Ryan's confidence in us. Oh, no, no, no. This is great. 
what basically what I'm hearing is being at the apex of humanity, discovering warp travel is lesser than punching Nazis in the face. Is that is that where we're at? You should always punch yes. Nazis. No, first contact is better than this, but they're just both kind of bad. Oh, yeah. First contact didn't have punching Nazis, though. That's true, but it did yeah. have hollow uh, tummy guns. Okay. Hollow tummy yeah, but guns see, that's, that's where the whole gangster mafia thing comes into play again. Oh my god, it's the yep. exact same. They're not yes! even similar. They're just <laughs> yes! Same. Yes! And they're both bad. So who's who's the counterpart to the horny, horny Borg queen? The uh, trip? <laughs> <laughs> is it Daniels? Right? No. Who? No. Is it Sleek? Daniels... Or I don't know. I can't, honestly, I can't remember who's who anymore. What's his name? Vrosk? So Daniels? Yeah, yeah, maybe uh, Vosk. Yeah. Vosk has kind of big daddy energy. Yeah, yeah but and... Sleek has that kind of like... I'm bad. I'm not bad. He's like a, he's, he's a shifty little Suleban. Well, and the other thing, so like, I would think Daniels would be the analog to data in first contact. Cause Ugh. like he spends the entire Daniels face melts and it's like halfway to lizard Tom Paris. And like, there's <laughs> so much Daniels content and like, no disrespect to the actor, but, like, why? And the biggest <laughs> tragedy is at the end, they're like, oh, Daniels, guess you didn't die after all. We fixed the timeline so you'd survive. And it's just, it's wrong. Yeah. Daniels should have stayed dead. How is that a dead. consequence that sticks? That's going to come to bite them in the ass in some so, far-off future. Uh-huh. So what you're saying is they should have gone through everything, restored the timeline, saved Daniels, and then shot him in the head. Yes. Und- <laughs> yes. He keeps dragging because him into stuff. Daniels is the Q of Enterprise. Ooh, he yep. is the he, Q he of is. Enterprise. Which is he why is. I yeah, hate him so much. Shitty Q. Yes. He's shitty Q. He does he the same like, Q. oh, look, you're in a new environment. But the only difference is Daniels doesn't flirt with Archer. Like Q does with Picard. He doesn't not flirt with Archer. That's true. Q and Picard is so sexually charged though that like i don't think anything else in john Star delancey Trek. brings an energy to everything he does oh yeah absolutely every single so deeply chaotic yeah every single character that q interacts with it's like hey we could totally fuck and it'd be fine which yeah. i do appreciate Except about for q. Riker, where he's like i fucked your mom oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's not in it so wait so does that mean that Riker is like part q or did he sleep with Riker's mom oh. before? And then that's that's why, like, Riker has all that um, fuckboy energy. Wait, Ooh, is this... is this Riker's part Q? Is, is this canon or just you guys fucking around? This is them fucking around. No, uh, it's, not no, no, no. <laughs> it's fan canon, which is the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you can tell, we, we all really loved this episode a lot. It's, I don't know. I think the two-parter that we covered in Voyager, where the holodecks get crossed and Klingons kill Nazis. That was mm. real fun. Is yes. way better than this, right? Yeah, yeah. They did have the monopoly like, on killing wasn't Nazis. There, wasn't there a shift in showrunners between the end of season three and the start of season four? There and is. And they kind of like... It kind of felt like a big screw you to have, like, the last scene in season three be like, I don't know, Nazis, and then leave it for the new crew to figure out. Right. 
Right, because um, this is when Manny Cotto comes in as new showrunner for season four onward. This is the first season of Star Trek without Braga and Berman. Berman. So known super chill dude which is probably why we didn't end up with shirtless female characters all this episode which is great that's fair this might be the first enterprise episode without anybody being shirtless yeah and super sexualized yeah no it doesn't um archer might be shirtless in one or two scenes archer gets shirtless like right at the very beginning after he gets like shot yeah but that could be argued that it's also like a male gaze being like oh look at this handsome hero he's been shot and check out those muscles that's more of a like uh a guy daydream right. then i guess the female gaze look sort of going on there yeah yeah well and oh man now i just can't get it out of my head this is just like tv budget first contact mm-hmm. i can't get it out of my head <laughs> yeah so the episode starts with trip and mayweather trying to fly down to san francisco and getting shot at by like old world war ii planes uh, Mayweather makes the comment and he goes, oh, I know exactly what type of plane this is. I've seen them in air shows before. Which is adorable. And Trip's like, yeah, they're, well, yeah, it's, it's great, right? First they still all, do air shows. I like, love Mayweather. They're always, so pure. again, there's always one character that knows stuff about the timeline they're in. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they, they come back to the ship and, uh, we get our favorite thing ever where everybody is like, Oh crap, we're stuck in the 1940s. And Paul is like, time travel's not <laughs> the real. Vulcan science director. Like, I don't want to hear a dang thing about possible. the Vulcan science directorate <laughs> and what they've concluded about time travel. We know there's Nazis. It's <laughs> very good. Yeah. Trip like shuts it down. Caitlin's trip is 10 for t- 10 out of 10. <laughs> that is the best. It's, it's impeccable. It could I feel like I'm sitting on the bridge of Star Trek Enterprise right now. With a with a chair he's jerry-rigged over the course of like two weeks. <laughs> he just like strolls out of the bridge and he's like, I'm the rootinest, tootinest, shootinest. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I could forgive Trip for the accent if that was his natural accent, but it's not. He did it for the show. I grew up in Panama City, Florida. Nobody talks that way there. No. (laughs) I mean, I've been to Texas and their accents are kind of similar in a really disgusting way. Yeah, definitely Texas. It's it's more, no, it's not even a Texas accent. It's more like Alabama. It's like Alabama, Texas. It's not even, you can't even pinpoint where he's from. He's definitely kind of in the middle. Like, right. mom's from Alabama, dad's from Texas, and they raised him together, and that's the voice he had. <laughs> yeah. It is good to see that the southern accent survives all the way into the 26th or 27th century. <laughs> right? <laughs> that accent in particular. Right, yeah, that yeah. particular yeah, You know one. what, Trip? Fuck you in particular, okay? <laughs> so now that- It's like if you think too hard about, like, why Picard has a British accent, but he's <laughs> French and he's supposed to be speaking French the entire time, theoretically. I mean- Okay, I will argue this. When you go to Europe, a lot of Europeans learn English with a British accent. So I will say that. That is extremely true. And that's kind of like, yeah, like if you learn French here, you learn a Parisian accent, which is different than the accents you hear in the south of France. Right. And here you learn French with a Quebecan accent, which no one else speaks. So everyone hates it outside of Quebec. And even all the words are like, half the words are different. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's 
dumb, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, now that we solved this entire episode is just TV first contact. What do you guys want to do for the next 45 minutes? <laughs> hmm, let's talk about dream scenarios for Enterprise. Okay. How okay. I have a question for all of you. How would you have liked the temporal Cold War to have ended? I mean, I would have liked it to have ended two seasons ago um, with some sort of coming to terms, maybe laying down the first part of uh, the Federation rules and uh, rather than waiting till the end of season four. And that kind of is what stemmed the end of the temporal Cold War instead of them just kind of Nazis, we fix the timelines, it's the end. Well, so the Cold War, the Cold War, not the temporal Cold War, only really ended because the USSR collapsed. Yeah. Well, right. uh, commun- uh, that's a gray yeah. area. Communism right. fell in 91, but they didn't fully collapse. It just <laughs> degraded right. a little bit. And I think that ultimately that's how the Temporal Cold War should have ended. Is like one side should have just, I don't want to say like, gave up like runs out of resources but yeah just like runs out of resources and can no longer participate mm. right because like it it truly is a cold war at that point because you know you're not getting mass casualties you're not getting time travel back to 1940 to do a shitty ripoff of man in the high castle <laughs> like you're not doing any of that you know it just it kind of just stops because like the cold war between the united states and russia just kind of like fizzled out there was a lot of spies not so much you know like fighting wars in the trench and stuff like that so i I feel like that would have been the logical end point for the temporal cold wars just kind of have it just die and i i hear where you're going with that i mean like if we had ended the temporal cold war stuff like mid-season two right and it all you know you have some of the powers that are just kind of falling out and everybody's kind of just losing steam on it then you can have these refractory things that happen that lead to like space 911 because everyone's all confused about who did what in which timeline right and that is like the confusion that starts the zindi conflict right and so like then you can still have season 3 play out as planned but then you don't have to you know end end cap it with more nazis right yeah so i i really like what you guys are saying here i just want to I have a slightly different idea for how to end it. That's mostly the same. But so if you think about the temporal Cold War, the nukes are time travel, right? Mm -hmm. At any point, we can kind of time travel each other and do all sorts of nonsense. So what if the Iron Curtain or the the sort of like defense missile defense systems actually worked and one side developed a way to just stop time travel completely? Oh, yeah. Because then we could get rid of time travel episodes, you guys. Oh, yes! (laughs) You can only travel at a rate of one second per second. Yes. And then you have to rewrite the entirety of Discovery. But, like, you know, whatever. That's a show that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) (laughs) I am super... No, you don't even have to because that could have happened before the Temporal Cold War ended. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, like, that's very. I true. love this idea so much. I mean, this is how Steph. That's my answer. Okay, write the, the book. Cold I'm in. We're gonna pitch it to CBS. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, for a Cold War, it wasn't very Cold War. Like I expected when when they gave it that title, I did kind of expect more of right. the cloak and dagger stuff rather than just like random attacks here and there, and mostly all of them just doing a lot of. Uh, 
not as much espionage as I would have liked, but just kind of always checking each other out to figure out what, what they're all doing. A lot of reconnaissance, really. Right. When I think, like, another big part of the Cold War is you also have to look at, like, uh, the fall of the German Wall. Yeah. Between East and West Berlin. The Berlin Wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I said the German Wall. Wall. You guys know what I meant. And I I think having, like, that that would have been another, like, cool, very obvious allegory to throw in there is to have, like, a physical barrier. I mean, I know it's it's really hard because time travel, but... I, I, I'm really digging on what Michael mm-hmm. said about, like, one side, like, it works. You can't time travel yeah. anymore. Or even have, you know, like, the Zindi really start their infighting and kind of have one, that infighting kind of either come to a pause where uh, the Federation brings them together or they form an alliance. You just, there was storytelling potential rather than just deciding on this two-parter with Nazis to end the Cold War that didn't even really work. Yeah. Honestly, I remember, like, the first time we watched it, we kind of, like, got a couple minutes into it, and I was like, "It is the war still not over? Because, like, in my mind, it's so hard to, like, extricate, like, those two, like, running things from mm-hmm. each other. Because you have the Zindi, the and then you also have the Suliban. Yeah, it's, like, two different right. random-ass wars going on between the two of them. And then we right. also never get really any conclusion with what the hell was up with the Suliban. Right. With uh, the the man in black. I don't know what to call him. The Time travel hologram man. Yeah, hologram man. Max Headroom. Yeah, who do you think he was? I like to think he was uh, Rod Barnum. I like to think that he was also <laughs> Daniels. <laughs> ah, that would have been the best twist Oh, ever. that would have been satisfying. Because well, that is one of like the... alternate reality. Or, or maybe he was Phlox, and that's why we never Ooh. see any of the no- Denobulans again in Star Trek. Maybe. True. But like that is one of the most annoying parts about the Temporal Cold War, is that Daniels comes back and gives us all this information, and then Archer doesn't double check or question this at all. Oh, God, no. just expected he... to take it as given and be like, oh, okay, great. That's that's why I was always that's why I always kind of pictured him as a Q type character because it was like Archer really had it hard for Daniels for everything Daniels said no matter where like from day one that Daniels showed up he was like right. okay you and me you're my time travel buddy I'm gonna believe everything you say and I'm definitely gonna take your word that the Suliban are evil well and I think that also like leans into the differences in Trek captains um, because. You know, how, how would Kirk handle this situation? How would Picard handle this situation? Things like that. And I think Archer is kind of wayward in that way. Whereas, you know, Kirk is very reactionary. Mm-hmm. I'm given a situation. I'm going to interact with it in maybe not the smartest way possible, but definitely with some thought behind it, but a lot of just kind of like shooting from the hip. Yeah. Whereas Picard would immediately like sit down with the Suliban and try diplomacy. Like... And I feel because of that, it kind of weakens Archer's character from the war itself, yeah. which is why I find like season three so compelling because it gives Archer a foil and it allows him to kind of look into himself and figure out, well, this is who I want to be. I want to, you know, like humanity deserves to be shepherded into the stars and things like that instead of, you know, going through the stars with, you know, a flamethrower and just burning crop left and right. Well, and at the same time, how far is he willing to go for it? Right. 
Because he definitely does... He tortures some dudes. Yeah, he does some shady shit in season three. That, that I don't know. He also kills the shit out of that trip clone. Oh, yeah. I still think about that, like, once a week. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, is... that was the biggest of ethical dilemmas that they kind of just glossed over. <laughs> I, I very much, like, had difficulty sleeping after watching <laughs> that one. It Like, it messed with me. Yeah. This is a very good episode, though. I would definitely rate it, like, top five yeah track. like all of all of enterprise yeah it's like top five of, of that specifically for sure oh yeah so yeah like season three just i don't know i think season three kind of dodged all this bullets by focusing on the zindi and not so much the temporal cold war that was kind of like background noise and then like because of the removal of the showrunners they're just like okay world war ii peace out new guy figure it out and I mean, this is kind of like, do you, you want to spend a season if you're the new guy trying to like right the wrongs that these guys have been doing for the past three years? Or do you just want to like throw it together, get it done real quick and then start telling your own stories? Right. So I, mean, I can't, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't, I can't blame them for like this kind of wet fart of an ending to the temporal cold war. But Steph, you you enjoyed this episode. You thought it was great. Not for the time travel storyline itself. I think I just really enjoyed the setting uh, of being dumped into World War II. I'm a man. I'm a fan of Man on High ca- Castle. I'm not gonna lie, because I do yeah, love yeah. the like even not necessarily the Nazis winning. It's just more of a like if the world was different, it's great to see that people would still be sure. fighting uh, because you know I. I'm a history buff. So I did enjoy the setting, I think, more than anything. And I did kind of enjoy Archer um, and his outfits and just kind of trying to run around and the whole ridiculous gangsters mafia plot. Like, it it was it was the fun parts of the episode I really liked. The actual time travel premise and the bomb and, and all those other ridiculous notions. My brain just kind of glazed over those parts. And so I didn't enjoy those ones. Michael, you said that this episode really wasn't doing it for you. Was there a particular reason why? Mostly because... So when we talked about all good things and kind of encounter at Farpoint and stuff, you talked about how you don't like the, like, and then it was all a dream kind of endings. Right. So I don't think that either of those episodes really commit to that problem, but this one sure as hell does. Like, <laughs> we, we do all sorts of stuff. We go through all the motions, and at the end, they literally undo the entire thing. They don't just undo this episode. They undo the Intemporal Cold War entirely. And it's just, it's really, really obnoxious because it's a two-parter. Which means it's two episodes at the beginning of the season dedicated to literally accomplishing nothing. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't... doesn't... Do you think it would have landed better if it would have just been, okay, now the crew is still home? Instead of, okay, the war never happened. I think that ending the Temporal Cold War the way they did is just kind of annoying because it was the one thread going through the entire show. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way to, I mean, I don't have a good answer for how to kick off this season because they ended season three on such a weird, like, oh shit kind of thing. I think time travel is a respectable way to do it. But instead of doing it this way, maybe they have Archer and Daniels like trying to repair some sort of temporal rift or something like that so that you see more than one just time zone. I don't know. I don't like the time travel episodes of Star Trek very much. 
I think that yeah, I think that you probably could have gotten away here with just a one parter that kind of does something like yeah. what this one does. It yeah, it just I don't know. This episode was not very good, and honestly, like, just feels flat to me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely tell that there was a change of the creative team between seasons three and four, right? And for better or for worse, they had to deal with the card hand they got dealt. Um, uh, it just kind of putters along until it's over. Right. And like, you know, you, you always, you know, you bring out the old favorites, you get, you know, a good old fashioned gunfight with, you know, the, the characters you like from space and they wear clothes that are not their clothes. But then that all starts to wear off in, in terms of its charm. And, and once you get over the initial shock of aliens hanging out with Nazis, and even the Nazis are like, mm, these guys are sketchy. <laughs> um, there's, you know, it's like, okay, it's just a ticking time clock until this is over and we can do something else. And yeah. ultimately, it, it's the Voyager problem. There's zero consequences for everything that has happened in the last two hours. Yeah. Frickin' Daniels. <laughs> well then like so the first episode ends with trip and mayweather getting captured by the nazis yeah it's not great and then they just like okay well now we just have to like rescue them and then stop the nazis from building their doomsday device that may or may not also be a time travel device like it it doesn't really go anywhere i do like how the mobsters eventually come around to archer and they do that thing in the first episode where it's very clear and obvious that it's World War II, but then they, like, pull back the curtain a little further, and it's like, not only is it World War II, but, like, the Nazis are in America. And I don't know if that was just, like, I I, I don't know why they just didn't set it in Eastern Europe. Like, I don't understand. Because America, no one like cares unless we're in America. <laughs> Wow. Like, I come on, stuff. come on. When when Starfleet, whenever in Star Trek we go back down to Earth, we're always pretty much in America. With the exception of Picard, who likes to go back to his winery in France every in once Japan, in a while. Right. Which we all know is actually in California. That's true. <laughs> Tom Paris was on that penal colony in New Zealand. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, good times. Uh, he did not deserve to go to that beautiful island. I know, right? He probably got to live in, like, a hobbit village. Yeah, like, like, New Zealand is gorgeous. That is, yeah. Oh, they should have sent them to Canada. (laughs) Yeah. There's never been, yeah, because, like, even Cisco's, like, because that's New Orleans. Yep. They could have sent him to, like, like, butthole Wyoming. (laughs) Like, you know. Well, Captain Kirk is climbing the mountain. That's Wyoming. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much is like generally all the time it is America with those few instances where Picard goes to home. And I think that only happens like twice. So do we have to headcanon then that the United States won World War III? Mm, I don't don't, want to, mm, but I I think so. I feel like nobody won World War III. Yeah, I'm in that camp. Yeah, when we saw Cochrane, it did not look like anyone won World War III. 
It didn't, but if you had to pick a winner based on everything we see in Star Trek. <laughs> on Star Trek or world, real world events well, now? So, well, so what I'm saying is, like, we've all seen Firefly, yes? Yes. Yes. So the whole, like, influence of Chinese culture in the show is because China was this major geopolitical power at the point of the exodus. Mm-hmm. So yes. if we look at all of the events on Earth after, like, in Star Trek continuity... The United States is right. like not just a power. As far as we can tell, it's basically the only one. Yeah, I I agree. Like America does seem to be the one that's pushing for all the space travel, has all the space uh, headquarters. It's where the Vulcans made first contact. So it does make sense in Star Trek universe. But I like to think that China and Russia are the two big ones who come out on top in the end, just because really they're the only ones supporting space travel at this time in 2021. So, according to the wiki, there was no winner. Yeah. um, It resulted in a ceasefire, but the two opposing were the United States of of America versus the Eastern Coalition. So, uh... Who's the Eastern Coalition? Well, that's gotta be the Soviet Union and China, right? Probably. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, Quickly, wiki that. Uh, It's coalition of nations in the Far East and or Middle East would Mm -hmm. seem to be suggested by the name of this. It was later explained by Braga that uh, it was at one time simply China, (laughs) but it was changed in favor of political correctness. Wow. Beautiful. Uh, The Eastern Coalition, as described by the Star Trek Encyclopedia, is a loose alliance of Eastern powers, which was adversarial towards the powers controlling North America. So, yeah, so So, China and Russia, because Russia is like half in Asia. So let's go with China and Russia and took on America. Probably parts of India, too, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I like think about population density too, like the population that those countries have compared to North America. Like we, we think we have a big population, but we do not compare to Eastern countries. Not not even, yeah, right. Not even a little bit. So yeah, there was, there was no winner. There was a ceasefire. And I think like, to me, that's also like how the temporal cold war ended. Like it just kind of fizzled out and stopped. I, I really agree with you, Michael, that like, the decision for the writers to just be like, not only did we, you know, complete the mission and get Archer and everybody back to their own timeline, but like the temporal cold war never happened. But then from like a narrative standpoint, it's just this series of weird things that keeps happening to the enterprise crew that they have no agency over because like this thing that's so much bigger than them, at least with like the Zindi war and all of that, you can like tangibly like see what's happening in front of you. And like, with the cold temper cold war it just felt like there were all of these factors and things happening that like you don't see you don't understand any of it you just know stuff's happening and it just seems very sloppy yeah do you think if they would have given like a better explanation for like silicon the solabon and everything like that it would uh, it would be nice to know anyone's motivations Instead of just, like, time is wrong, let's fix it. Like, I think Vosk has kind of the strongest motivations in that he's like, my people deserve a seat at the table, and the way we do that is by going back in time and taking our seat. And so, like, that, that that's explicitly, like, his, his motivation. And so, like, the Suleban are so shifty and, like, you know, hanging out in the shadows that, like, who knows what's really going on with them. 
Yeah. And, like, the difference between, you know, the Sulaban and, say, like, the Romulans, you know? The Romulans still, they're, they're shifty as hell, but, like, they have very clear motivations to, like, fuck over the Vulcans and fuck over the Federation based on, like, established history. Yeah. But because, A, they keep screwing with history, and B, because... Like, from the perspective of the Enterprise crew, they're just these guys coming from out of nowhere. Um, there's no grounding for it. Steph, was there anything in the Temporal Cold War that just, like... I mean, aside from, you know, your love-hate relationship with time travel, um, that you wish could have been polished a little better? I'm gonna have to go with Caitlin here. I would have liked some better motivation between everyone. Like, just, just give us an idea about why the Sulaban are so gung-ho to destroy the timelines, go to war in the 31st century. Like, we we always catch glimpses of it, and we know that their target is the Enterprise and that time period they're in, but we're really never given much information about this Cold War, and it makes it really hard as a viewer to get super invested into it. So... Overall, I would have just liked more exploration about why it was happening, the sides and the conflict. Like, I think the hardest, the best written episode or the best written arc, I think, with the timeline is actually with Trip um, when his sister dies and then he suffers PTSD from it. Mm -hmm. Like, that that moment is really hard hitting because they, they forge a personal connection to the loss that happens and all that death. And we see a character continuously suffer from it in a way that is often not exhibited in television. So I really liked that aspect. But for the rest of the time, the Cold War was just kind of this annoying little battle that the Enterprise continuously got thrust into with no reasoning besides, oh, someone in the future wants to destroy you. Yeah. And it's very just, I don't know, the Federation sucks. Yeah, I it's mean, like, why Why do we care? Why does the Federation Yeah, what exactly. Why do they hate us so much? Give us something as a viewer. Like, it just feels like a very two-dimensional villain in this case that they actually spent a lot of time on and yet stayed two-dimensional. Michael, did you find the Cold War lacking? I mean, you you say it's like one of the best things about Star Trek Enterprise just in general. I think it's the most interesting narrative thread across Star Trek Enterprise, but there's definite room for improvement, uh, which is which is my tactful way of saying they really fucked it up. And this episode is <laughs> this episode is one of the examples of that. It occurs to me though that one of the problems I had with the temporal temporal cold war throughout most of Enterprise is, hey, wait a minute. If people are going back in time and communicating with people in the past, how come we don't see any of this in any of the other Star Trek? Right? Like right. why are they only doing it here? Well, Star Trek Enterprise accidentally puts itself in a alternate dimension. Like an alternate reality yeah. because of the temporal cold war. We see the events of, I don't know the name of the main Star Trek universe. Is it alpha? Sure. We'll go with right. that. Uh, so Star Trek alpha, we see the events, but then enterprise is occurring before the cold war is resolved. Everything else that we see in terms of television and Star Trek is occurring after the temporal cold war is resolved. And that's how they get around why you don't see it anywhere else. The problem with it is that it just isn't done very well. And I think it's because I don't even know who the sides are. I don't even know who's fighting. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And it just, it's like, okay, the Sulaban, I guess they're bad guys. But like, 
I think it ties into what like Steph and Caitlin were saying. Yeah. It's like, why are they the bad guys? You know, we're we're just told they are. Yeah. So the Sulabun are like communicated by somebody from the from the future, the same as the Zindi are. It's never really said right that the Sulabun are the ones fighting the Temporal Cold War in the future. It's right. kind of implied I, a few times, but it's never stated out. There's right. all of these. Just Daniels keeps alluding to like different factions, and it's like. Even if he had had, like, kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe moment where he pulls out, like, the hollow map and he's like, yes, and at the table we had this faction and this faction and then these two factions blew each other up and now we have a problem. And now it's your problem. And I think it would have just been, like, again, like, not, not like, too much. Don't have to come, keep coming back to it. But just to explain once why this becomes Enterprise's problem. Yeah, and it would have been interesting, though, to see them also recruit other people outside the Cindy and the Zulaban. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe Enterprise encounters a planet whose species has actually been recruited into the temporal Cold War as well. And that would have really made for some good cat and mouse because then they would really have start to question everyone that they encountered. Be like, have they been drawn into this Cold War as well by someone from the future? But it just always seems to be these two people. Like, they always pick the Enterprise. They always pick the Zulaban or the Zindi to help them. I have a slight spin on that that I think could have been a really, really awesome episode of Star Trek Enterprise. Imagine if a Klingon ship shows up somewhere Ah. as, like, Warp 6. Or really, really advanced weapons. Or something that doesn't quite make sense. And the Vulcan High Command tasks Enterprise because the Vulcans can't do it. And, like, you guys have to figure out what's going on here. And there's this constant question of, like, hey, maybe the Klingons are doing their own thing. In the Temporal Cold War. Yeah. Or maybe Daniels is is playing two sides. He's like, okay, I've got the Enterprise, but I need a backup plan, so I'm going to go try to recruit some Klingons or someone else. Right. Yeah. Could have been amazing. Uh, yeah. 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 It could... Klingons, Romulans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like... Romulans are around. Like, I, yeah. I know a lot of shows get a lot of flack for not doing episodic, for trying to have serial arcs. And I think Enterprise does a good example of why serial arcs can be bad because it just doesn't deliver. But they also, it's poor storytelling is I think at the end of the day, it's just poor storytelling that they never quite fully committed or followed through on. It wasn't a bad idea. It was just so poorly executed, which is the story of Enterprise. Here, here. (laughs) Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that really says it all though. Caitlin, did you have any closing thoughts on this episode? Anything you want to loop back around to? Um, okay, just to be clear, the stance of the Vulcan science director is that <laughs> time travel is impossible. Yes, 100%. Which to pull this episode right out of the gate. In 1944. As soon as they're like, guys, guys, we're in the past. To pull's like, mm, let me just check this a couple times because I still don't believe it. The trip's like, rootin' tootin'. <laughs> <laughs> Just nailing it. Uh, Steph, do you have any closing thoughts on this wonderful two-parter? Uh, yeah, I can't wait until we get to three-parters and we don't have to deal with time travel anymore because I'm so sick of it. Yeah, definitely. And Michael, did you have any closing thoughts before we close out yeah, I feel bad the start of season four? <laughs> I feel bad because I'm going to actually talk about things instead of just give like anecdotal like oh yeah it was bad um so (laughs) in general star trek has a few different types of episodes right there's like the there's like the space geopolitical episodes where it's like well the romulans are massing forces in the neutral zone 
There's kind of like goofy, funny episodes that happen every now and then. Like, I am not a merry man. Right? Like, like this stuff yeah. happens. There's holodeck episodes. Like, I'm not a merry man. Um, there's time travel episodes like this one. And then there's my favorite episode that we don't get enough of. And I really wish Star Trek would do more of it. And it's the space weird episodes. Where, like, <laughs> yeah. Something space weird is, is weird. going on. Something funky is happening. And we don't really know what it is. And I think that my problem with these time travel episodes is that they straddle that space weird episode but do none of the good things from it. So I'm always left feeling really like dissatisfied because I like these sci-fi ideas of like, Oh, what if we get trapped in a temporal loop and we accidentally make the enterprise ram into itself over and over again, like they did in TNG, which is one of the best episodes. Well, I think anyway, one of the best episodes of the show, but instead we get people standing around asking for more aluminum plating. And it's just like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Stop. Yesterday's Enterprise is another really good example of how you can take time travel and kind of touch it with a little bit of this weirdness. And instead of this boring episode, you get one of the greatest episodes of Star Trek of all time. Yeah. Um, and this is definitely not in that league. No. Yeah, it's no, we're not saving any whales this time around. It's definitely not even close. True. All the whales are firmly dead at this point in Star Trek. <laughs> I did read an article recently that said that uh, humpback whales in the wild are actually, I think they're out of uh, endangered status. Yes. Like people are like, part in, not just in small part, crediting that to Star Trek. Yeah, they yep. are actually, because that, that episode, sorry, that movie went a long way to showing people that, hey, this is a real danger. And the Trek fans yeah. just... Grew behind this movement to save the whales, and it worked. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, banning hunting awesome. of the whales also really helped a lot. Way to go, Star Trek! Yeah. Good job, Star Trek, <laughs> on saving on, whales. Bad job on time travel episodes. <laughs> so that's all we got. Uh, you can always follow us, of course, on Twitter and Instagram at Two Star Two Trek. Next week, we will be doing a Three Star Three Trek covering Three Star Three Trek. It's going to be Borderland, Cold Station 12, and The Augments. I wonder what that's about. I, I bet it's about the Borderland of Cold Station 12 with The Augments. Maybe. Uh... We'll see. We'll see. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, to be continued. <laughs>